the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Many of us have a fantasy of what a relationship is supposed to be. We have expectations for an ideal union. But according to today's guest, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, dating isn't about being perfect or catching the perfect partner. It's all about creating compassionate self-awareness and stronger self-esteem. She contends that self-discovery is key to a healthy relationship. Dr. Manley is a clinical psychologist and wellness expert who specializes in the treatment of anxiety, depression, trauma, and relationship issues. She is the author of the new book, Date Smart, Transform Your Relationships and Love Fearlessly. Welcome, Dr. Manley. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. So, Dr. Manley, people want to find and experience love. We want to be in the right relationship with the right person. But for some of us, no matter how hard we try, we just can't seem to make that happen. What do you believe are the biggest mistakes that people make when dating? Such a good question and cuts right to the heart of things, Joan. I believe that when we're dating, the biggest mistake we make is not knowing what we want from our relationship and what we have to offer in a relationship. That twofold lack of awareness, and I really believe they have to be there together, Knowing what you want from yourself, what you have to give, and knowing what you want from another person. So if you start from that platform of self-awareness, self-awareness about what your needs are and what you bring, and being really honest with yourself about that, and then moving out into the dating world with that sense of this is who I am, this is what I have to offer, I am a good person. And then being able to say to other people, please tell me about you and what you have to offer me or, you know, somebody you are dating and then looking for that match. And so often we go out into the dating world and because of our wounds and our hurts and our hopes for romance, we take whatever comes our way. Going along with what you said, a lot of people that I know that are out there dating, they don't really think about what they want. They're so busy trying to please this other person and win this other person over that I'm not sure they're even building something that's on solid footing. Absolutely. And I think so much of that comes from self-esteem issues where people do not do the work to know their value and also to make friends with their imperfections. And so for many people, they go out and they're either in very people-pleasing mode and they will do anything to feel liked and valued, which is really understandable because we all want and need to feel loved. And then we have you know, another segment of people who will, mm, the charlatans of the dating world, where they will say and do anything in order to get somebody into their sphere. And so that realm, the manipulators, um, they tend to make dating much more complicated because they have their 
own set of wounds. And that's where a lot of the dating behaviors that are unhealthy come from when you get these two groups intermixing and you have somebody who's wounded saying, you know, I love me, uh, please love me, please love me. And then somebody else who's coming in who's wounded in a different way and takes advantage of people um, or somebody who's simply, you know, another segment of people who are simply not self-aware. And they go out into the world in very trusting ways and don't realize that they're all of these people who are not, their emotional intelligence isn't very high, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so I think we don't expect the dating world to be that complicated, but it is. Well, you're right. Everything does begin with the way you see yourself. And it wasn't until I was in middle age that I realized in my own life, because I was lacking in self-esteem, that I spent so much of my time in romantic and even friendship relationships, always feeling like I needed to do something for the other person so they would love me. And it took me a lot of years to realize that pattern of the way I was showing up in relationships. Absolutely. And that's such the heart of my work and, and a big piece of date smart is really normalizing that we all, or, or the vast majority of us, want to be loved. We want to be loved. We want to be safe. It's hardwired into us from, you know, from before we were born. And so it's important not to be unkind to yourself or beat up on yourself for wanting that. Instead, capitalize on that need. Capitalize on that urge. And first, turn it inward. And again, I really work on help give people this information in Date Smart as well as exercises to help them do some self-exploration so that they can fall in love with themselves, fall in love with the parts of them that they like, that they love, heal the parts of themselves that they that might not be so strong, accept their imperfections, and thus, get this, Joan, when you really like yourself with all of your imperfections, because you know I'm working on me. I might never get there. I might always be evolving, which, you know, I'm part of that club that knows I will never get there, wherever there is. Mm -hmm. I will always want to evolve and become a better person. And that if we're dating with the intention of having a long-term relationship, which is different. Date smart's not about creating hookups. Anyone can do hookups. I don't believe in most cases that hookups or doing a lifetime of hookups um, is necessarily the most beneficial for one's mental health. But, you know, aside from that, Date Smart is about dating in ways that will help you form healthy relationships. And where it starts from, again, of course, is growing your self-esteem and then requiring friendships. That if someone you're dating is not treating you as a friend, that you will not have the foundation for a healthy relationship. If someone you're dating is not treating you with kindness, compassion, and respect, they're not building the genuine friendship that will be necessary for a healthy romantic relationship. And that goes back to understanding who you are and valuing yourself, because when you respect yourself and you love yourself, you will not tolerate that disrespect from someone else. Absolutely. And I love how you I love how you said that. When you respect yourself, you will not tolerate disrespect from someone else. And I, I, I love that you said that because it's the essence of my work. That it's so hard because of our programming, because of the way we are raised. For many women and men, we are raised to be nurturers, um, to give unconditional love. And sometimes, as a result, we become people pleasers or doormats or take abuse. And there is so much work in learning to stand up for yourself to have solid boundaries, it's a lot of work. And, and I really want your listeners to, to appreciate that, that if you are somebody who's always been a people pleaser, who's, who's allowed people to disrespect you because what you learned or what you believed was the right thing to do, you don't need to accept that any longer, that the journey in learning to grow inner strength is not necessarily easy, but it's so worth it. Because when you demand that others treat you with respect, you are treating yourself with respect and you are growing self-esteem. 
simply by doing that. And some listeners might be saying, oh, but I don't want to be a rude, aggressive person. It's not about being rude or aggressive. In fact, it's about standing up for yourself with courage, dignity, and respect. Because on the other hand, there are so many people in the dating world, in the relationship world, who feel very entitled, who are bullies or abusers, or, you know, learn from their own parents that, you know, a man can steamroll a woman or the person with the most money gets the most power. And all of those dynamics are things that we need to put in our history and really work to come forward and to cultivate healthy dynamics with our partners, regardless of our history, to take our histories, use what worked for us or our parents and bring more of that into our lives and then notice what isn't working, what we might have inherited. And if it's not healthy, do away with it and allow less of that to be in our lives. And all of this, if you're, you know, you're, you're noticing is about mindfulness. It's about dating with intention. It's about forming relationships with intention. It's about really knowing what your deal breakers are. And for me, it's things like honesty, respect. You'll see they all kind of come back to respect because if you're honest with somebody, you're showing respect for yourself and others. Kindness, compassion. And one of my favorite quotes from Date Smart is this, honesty matters as much as oxygen. I don't know about you, but I can't breathe in a relationship where honesty is lacking. Honesty lets us feel safe and respected. Honesty is not an option. It's a must. I know a lot of people who go from relationship to relationship, never taking the time to do the work that you're describing. Is it ever a good time for us to just take a time out from dating and just work on ourselves? Is is that usually a good thing to do from time to time? Oh, Joan, such a good point. Absolutely. There are some people, as you said, people go from relationship, some people go from relationship to relationship without looking at their patterns, without pausing. And that is a piece that I really hit in Date Smart at the very beginning, that there are times that it's absolutely not just okay, but appropriate to take a time out from dating. Now, somebody might take a time out from dating for a year or two years or five years and say, oh, I took a time out from dating. But if you're not working on your patterns, if you're not doing true self-work, you're going to just jump right back into the dating game the same way you did before. So if somebody wants to take a timeout, and I recommend you know, timeouts, use that timeout to really engage in mindful self-work, whether it's with a psychotherapist or doing bibliotherapy, such as working with Jade Smart or some other type of self-growth book, working with a group. But we do not change in healthy ways unless we pause to look at our past relationships, our past patterns from childhood forward, and really dive into without judgment, without blame. It's not really about the people, right? It's about what we learned from the people, good or not good. It's about the habits that were etched into our into our brains and way of being, be they good or not good. And doing the work during this time out, right? This dating time out to say, wow, you know, this really worked for me. This kind of person really blends well with me or this didn't work for me, and oh, I can see why I picked up my dad's negative habits or my mom's you know, negative habits, and I'm going to do the work so that when I decide to re-enter the dating world, I'm going to enter that dating world more conscious, more aware, and more respectful of myself and others. And again, I think that that takes such effort that some people don't want to do it and they think they'll do better just because they took a time out. And we are such complex people, such complex individuals, and we deserve, we really deserve self-work. I don't see it as a resp- as as something that's a negative. I love my profession and I really see doing self-work not just as a privilege but as a responsibility. 
Because if we don't do our own self-work, we are bound to cause harm to the people in our path. What about when we do all of this work and we feel like we're ready, but we've been so wounded, we've been so hurt by a previous relationship that we're afraid and we still have these walls around us to protect us. How do we tear down those walls? For those who are wounded, and there are many of us, you know, who are wounded because we get hurt from childhood forward and we grow walls as a response to the trauma or the pain or the, you know, lack of love that we've experienced. And so we build walls around us as a coping mechanism to keep ourselves safe. And that's all very understandable because we all, again, want to feel safe. Unfortunately, walls, especially really high castle walls that some of us build around ourselves because of the pain, keep us safe. But they also keep love from coming in. And so, again, going back to the importance of psychotherapy and and being a psychologist and being a person who has suffered wounds in my life, I know the importance of working through your wounds, finding a skilled therapist. If you can't afford therapy, you know, uh, you know, individual therapy, group work, um, you know, working with self-help books that give you exercises. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry um, about that noise. So I really think that it is so important to really be able to do your work so that you can get the love that you deserve, so that you can get the love that you want, and so that you can leave your wounds behind you. You They will always be there as scars, right? But our scars are different from our wounds. Our scars allow us to move forward in life and say, oh, this happened to me. And I learned from it. And yes, there's this little mark on my arm or this mark on my soul from this experience, but it's healed now. And so it's more black and white. It's not controlling me. And so, yes, life wounds us. Relationship wounds us. Betrayal, you know, one of the biggest relationship wounds is so difficult to move through. But you can do it. I've done it. You can do it. You know, for, I'm speaking to those who have been wounded. And why? Because you deserve it. You deserve to have your wounds tended to so that when you are ready for a relationship, that you move out into that world, maybe with some trepidation, some natural fear, some natural anxiety. Of course, that makes sense that you you will have your fears, but work through them consciously. And I do this a lot with my clients who are re-entering the dating world after terrible betrayals of all sorts. And I help them grow their self-confidence, which is different from their self-esteem. I also help them grow their self-esteem. And then I help them mindfully step back into the dating world so that they can also learn to notice red flags that arise and really pay attention to the red flags and distinguish between real red flags and their own wounds percolating back up sometimes. And so as they learn how to do that walk into the dating world, into the world of romantic relationships with awareness, knowing that they might still have some some wounds that aren't fully healed, but using those wounds as messengers, like a feedback loop. I have found that my clients tend to ultimately, the vast majority, find the best relationships of their lives when they take that approach because they've used their wounds and they've healed their wounds and then they go out into the world with more wisdom and more healthy love than ever before. The book is Date Smart, Transform Your Relationships and Love Fearlessly. If you'd like to get more information about Dr. Manley and her work, you can visit drcarlamanley.com. That's drcarlamanley.com. Dr. Manley, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I would say 
that the most important thing to know is that you are valuable. And as you date, know that, hold on to that, hold on to your standards, and really trust that when you hold on to your standards and you respect yourself and love yourself, you will ultimately find a partner who values you, who sees your light, and will help you become your best self within the relationship and outside of the relationship. And you deserve that. Dr. Manley, thank you so much for joining us. It has been such a pleasure having you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy my time with you, and I really hope that your readers feel comforted and filled with hope and joy as a result of listening to our our talk today. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. you feel lost on your journey to health and happiness? Then let us guide you on your path, personalized actions towards health. Your path is a series of choices you act on every day. We guide you on a personalized journey of dietary, exercise, genetic, supplement, and lifestyle choices that lead you to optimal health and happiness. Often taking the road less traveled leads to liberation. Your path is personal. Your journey, like you, is unique. Take action today. Head to bestpathforme.com. Again, that's bestpathforme.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. Thanks for staying with us. Our next guest, Esther Pippoli, helps families navigate life's difficult moments. She is the owner and founder of Loss of Life Advocates, also known as Lola. Her company provides confidential concierge grief support to families, business owners, and employers, helping them navigate the operational side of loss. Esther is here today to discuss how to prepare for a blended family. Welcome, Esther. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So, Esther, how do you define a blended family? What is that? Well, you know, it's a his, mine, and ours. <laughs> you know, modern days, um, we have a lot of families that start out together, have um, maybe a couple of kids, and then the marriage breaks up one way or the other, or maybe there's a loss of a spouse, and then that spouse that's remaining um, gets remarried. Then you have their kids, and you've got his and mine, and then maybe you have your own kids together. That's the best way to describe a blended family. So what types of challenges do these families face? You know, during a loss, um, there's a lot of miscommunication. And when we sit down with families and we have these difficult conversations, a lot of times I'm talking with mom and dad, and I'm saying, have you spoken to your children, even if they're adult children, and told them what your wishes are? Have you had the conversation to say, look, if something happens to me, my husband, your stepfather or your stepmother is the person making medical decisions for me. They're making financial decisions for me. This is what I want to happen when I pass away. This is who I want to be the decision maker. A lot of times the blended families get really caught up in the emotion of it's my dad or it's my mom or this is what they wanted and this is what they said. But by sitting down and actually having the conversations with your respective children and saying, look, and this is in front of your spouse, this is what I want. This is who's going to be making decisions for me. In the event when they're dead, when there is a life transition, it will cut out so much miscommunication and hardship because that's what really happens during a loss. Everybody gets high on emotions, and when you have blended families, it creates a, a friction amongst all the children. So in addition to having this conversation, what else do we need to do to prepare? You know, always having your documents in place, and if you're going to go ahead and have those conversations with your kids, make sure they know where your documents are. Um, you know, especially the medical power of attorney, that's a very important document, especially during the last couple of years, knowing that who's in charge of making medical decisions for you. And then your durable power of attorney, who's in charge of your financial decisions for you. You don't have to be dying for that to be something that's important to have a conversation with your blended family on. Also, knowing how to h- conduct your household. 
who's paying the bills, who's taking care of your lovable four-legged friends, your pets. You know, who, having that broken down is so important, but knowing how to access the information, how to support the family during that time frame, and knowing kind of like you're a team, who's on first, who's on second, and who's on third. It really does prepare the family, even when it's blended, so that everybody knows what their role is. And as we've spoken about in a previous conversation, it's also important to put down your final wishes about your burial and such. Yes, especially with that, because we do have in a blended family where maybe there is a spouse that um, that passed away, and the children, even if they're adult children, may want dad to be laid to rest with her. You know, so that's a really important conversation to have and making sure that that form, the disposition of remains, is intact and it's been discussed with your children so everybody knows what you want. You know, let's face it, after you're gone, you can't take anything with you and you're not there to speak anymore. So really having those meaningful conversations, as hard as they may be, will alleviate so much dispute and so much anger and frustration after you're gone. And Esther, is there a tip you can offer to help us make this transition easier? You know, the holidays, it sounds kind of crazy. Nobody really wants to talk about passing away, but it's a great time when people get together. And I know these last couple of years have been a challenge, but with things opening back up and families getting back together, I think it's a good time for families to sit down and say, look, the next 30 minutes is going to be a difficult conversation. If it becomes too difficult for you, you can get up and leave, but just know I'm going to have this conversation with you. It's only going to be a short time frame, but it's for me to know and tell you what I want so that nobody is caught off guard in the event something happens. If anything we've learned in these last couple of years is having this conversation is important and people knowing how to access your information is also important. Esther, thank you so much for joining us. If our listeners would like to learn more about you and your work, they can visit lossoflifeadvocates.com. And as always, to hear more from Esther, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Esther. Esther, thank you again. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll be right back. How often do you feel like situations are bending you to the point of breaking, stretching you to your limits, or compressing you to the point where you might just explode? Hi, I'm Allison Ayati. I'm a musician, sound practitioner, and the creator of The Sound Life, a lifestyle app for relaxation and meditation through sound and music. If I just described you, then I hope it gives you some comfort knowing that you are not alone, and there are people who understand. Let's face it, people are not elastic like rubber bands. We don't always bounce back from challenging situations and circumstances, but with help, we can develop resilience and the ability to adjust and recover from adversity. To build resilience, you need to learn how to go into the eye of the storm. The eye of the storm is a real phenomenon. Hurricane force winds swirl around a center point but never reach it, creating a space of calm inside of the storm. Meditation through relaxation is a very effective way to move into a tranquil space where you can gain perspective on the situation or circumstances that are distressing you. Sound meditation is not only effective, but a very easy way to find peace and calm, even when a storm rages around you. I'm Allison Ayati, and I want to help you build resilience through relaxation and sound meditation. To learn more, go to livingthesoundlife.com. Do you believe that there can be a silver lining from tragedy and that blessings come in disguise? Hi, this is Joan Herman here with a lesson learned while earning my PhD in life. Your attitude determines how you view a situation and how you move through it. A tragedy is defined as an event causing great suffering, destruction, and distress. We understand the meaning of those words. However, I believe the important component is how we view the situation. What may be a tragedy to one person is nothing more than a bump in the road to another. And while we can agree that events such as death, divorce, or job loss create less than desirable circumstances, each can be viewed and handled differently from one person to the next. The key is that person's outlook. There are people who see the glass half full in all situations and others who see it as half empty. We have a choice about how we view what occurs in our life, and that choice determines how we will transition through a tragic experience. So, how can you get through a tragedy? Recognize that you have a choice in the situation. We often believe that we are a victim of circumstance and that this will be our lot in life. We think that we will never recover. The key to moving on is to know that you have the power to change the situation. No matter how devastating the circumstance, you have the power to get through it. You are not a victim. The choice is yours. Never suppress your feelings. Hurt, sadness, and grief are all normal emotions, and they should be felt. The problem occurs when you allow yourself to stay stuck, when you assume the role of victim. 
Get help if you cannot do it by yourself. Read books and seek information that can help you get your head in the game. Reach out to friends and loved ones. Isolation can make the situation worse. And seek professional assistance if you're overwhelmed, depressed, or have suicidal thoughts. Remember, you're not alone and you have a choice. How we experience our life comes from how we view what we experience. As Dr. Wayne Dyer said, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Thanks for spending this time with me. For more inspiration and empowering tools, visit joanherman.com. This is WNYF, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. Many female business owners struggle to balance their work with their family life. Our next guest, Susan Vernacek, created an A-game formula that she says helps women stop surviving on autopilot so they can become conscious mothers and confident, successful business owners. In her book, Get All A's in the Game of Life, Susan shares words of wisdom from a diverse group of entrepreneurs for the purpose of nurturing and motivating readers. Susan is a certified life coach and creator of IdentityMagazine.net. Welcome, Susan. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really honored and excited as I've known you for years and watched your success soar, and so, um, you know, it's, a, it's I'm blessed. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you for saying that, Susan, because you and I are both examples of the work that you teach, that you are able to find that balance and still take part in your family life while achieving success in the professional side. So tell us a little bit about your A-game formula. Yes. Well, you know, this has been tried and tested for over a decade by myself and thousands of other women and mothers um, across the states, across the world, actually. And you know, it was developed when I hit my rock bottom. And it was a pattern and a process that when I was asked by my coach, how are you able to overcome your rock bottom? How are you able to overcome suicidal thoughts? How are you able to start a business? How are you able to climb your way out of debt? How, how are you able to lose 65 pounds all in this moment of uh, back when I was 25 in like 2005 to 2008 timeframe? And um, I slowed down to reflect, well, yeah, what was it? What was the first piece? And it was self-acceptance. It was acceptance. It was ownership and taking responsibility. And at that time, my coach, you know, we were, I was planning a speaking, a book tour. And so with that book tour, I wanted to create an interactive workshop. And that is how this formula really kicked off. And it was just me slowing down to think about, well, what was my process? Why was I able to just from rock bottom kind of like get in momentum and overturn things pretty quickly? And it was that first element, that first keyword, self-acceptance. And when we have and practice and lean into self-acceptance, that is having your own back. That is having the belief that you're capable, that is taking responsibility that where you are now in the circumstances that you have now in whatever situation that might be, you're there because of previous decisions and previous actions. And that's not right or wrong. That's just what is. That is the fact. And so from here, with this acceptance and ownership of responsibility, we get to then make the choice to be resourceful, make the next best decision to move forward and always get to choose. We, and that instantly gives us the power back. So that's a really, really key um, first A in the AG formula, because when you don't have that self-acceptance, that's when you're constantly looking for outside opinion, outside help, somebody else to tell you what to do, or you're, you're changing gears, you're, you're trying 500 different diet plans, you're trying 500 different exercise programs, you're launching your business in so many different ways because you've tried one thing and it didn't work, but really you just didn't give it enough time to practice, to lean in, to learn how to have your own back and build that trust for simplicity and consistency. And so that's where it started and it was reflecting in 
me owning my rock bottom at the time. I had traveled the world, so that's why I was in debt. I was 65 pounds overweight because I drank in London and ate Subway after I bartended every night, so I didn't exercise, so that's why I was overweight. And I'm back home living rent-free, and I had this job that I was miserable out at, but it was paying me good money to make the next best choices on my journey. So you took all of this wisdom that you acquired and some of it you just described with us, and you decided that you were going to write a book based on this formula, but it wasn't just from you. You incorporated words of wisdom from other female entrepreneurs. Looking at the body of work and and all of the wisdom that was contained in this publication, what are some of the biggest lessons that you learned from other people as well? Oh, yes. I love I loved that part. Like, I loved including so many of my colleagues and my friends, my fellow entrepreneurs that were, were on this journey. And the biggest takeaway was that we all have so much drama and thoughts going on in our brains, right, that are steering us in so many, so many directions. And that is and that the fact that there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And from all of these women, what I gained was that we all have our own obstacles and our own issues, but we can do it. And it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to have fear. It's okay to have self-doubt. It's okay to take a turn. It's okay to cry and have all the emotions. That is part of the journey of being a human, right? Being a woman, being an entrepreneur. Um, and, and the words of wisdom in that book they're comforting, they're validating, because when you read the wisdom from the other woman, you're shaking your head, you're like, oh, yep, I've been there. And then if you're in that moment, and if you're reading someone's words of wisdom or quote in that book, sometimes it's just the right timing to pick you up and turn your day around. And that's what I love from it. And that's what I've gained most from all those women. It's like, we've got this and we've got your back. When women come together, we can conquer anything. And I think it's so important to hear stories from other people who are successful because when you're, you know, you're starting out or you may be struggling at some point in your life or business, you think that the successful people have it all together and they have some secret sauce that, you know, you just don't know about. But to hear about their struggles and triumphs, it really does motivate us and inspire all of us. Exactly. I agree. I mean, I just had this conversation with a client yesterday and you know, we were talking about the, all the leaders that we follow and who we look up to. And you're saying, you know, so many people think that it comes easy for them, but it doesn't. I mean, we just have some tools into our pocket that everybody else can learn as well by listening to podcasts like this, radio shows like yours, right? Reading the magazines. Like if you are being resourceful and reading and listening, you can learn the same tools, practice and apply them and experience the same success. You know, we just practice our tools. We lean into them. We constantly motivate ourselves in our own inner dialogue. And that's, that's one of the pieces of, that I love to help my clients do. It's, it's practice using the tools that we all have available to us. Susan, if you could bullet point it, what are a few things that entrepreneurs can do to stay motivated? Bullet point would be appreciation with what you have. To stay motivated, you have to love, work on loving yourself and loving what you have available to you now. Because when you enter that energy, when you enter those emotions and you change your view of, of the four walls that you might be working from home from right now, right? Or like what the, your surroundings that you're, you're looking at and you're, you're um, surrounded with. When you can embrace that, you start to see and feel more joy. And when you can express your daily appreciation, that will, science has proven it, increase your happiness. And so I say this is the, one of the number one bullets, along with like just even my first A, accepting the responsibility to find your joy, find your happy, experience it. Because that in itself is going to give you momentum and motivation. And motivation is really it's really pulled out from within because if you are trying for external things and motivators, which I say, you know, whatever motivates you at first, go for it. But to have lasting motivation that's self-driven, like you've got this, you've got your own back, 
that comes from being secure, being confident, being confident, being happy within yourself and practicing that daily. That is going to get you motivated because you're going to be feeling good and you're going to be making decisions and taking actions from a feeling good, a better energy space than if you're down on yourself, if you're blaming, if you're playing victim, those feelings and those emotions normally steer unproductive um, actions. And when you compound these actions every day, right, that's when you get your results. So whatever result you have in now, and it's not good or bad, but it's, it's, it's fact of what the pattern of your, your inner dialogue, your inner motivation and, and um, belief in yourself in those feelings. Does that make sense? It does. And I think it's a, a wonderful takeaway because we all look externally for motivation. But as you're saying and pointing out, it's an inside job. We have the power within yeah. ourselves to stay motivated. Yes, yes. And one of my key phrases that I say to myself multiple times a day, like getting out of bed to work out or doing the hard things in my business, it's am I committed to being the person that I want to be? Am I committed to getting the results that I say that I want? And that is one of my really anchor thoughts in my motivation to stay the course. The book is Get All A's in the Game of Life. Susan, where can our listeners go to get more information about you and your work? Yes, I mean, the, the most direct URL is SusanVernachek.com or specifically for the book that will take you to SusanVernachek.com is GetAllA's.com. Susan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought about what would happen if you or your spouse couldn't work because of sickness or injury? Would your group benefits be enough? If you don't have any protection, how quickly would your savings last to pay for everyday bills and maintaining the life that you love? Hi, my name is Kate Toby, financial services professional with the Fortis Agency. I'm here to share some tips on what you should consider when looking into protecting your income. Many people don't realize how much their disability insurance policies will pay out in the event of an injury or illness. It is important to understand your policies, especially when you get a promotion or pay increase to see if there are any new gaps in your coverage. It is also beneficial to know how long your benefits will last in the event you can't work because you are sick or hurt. This time frame can vary by months or years, depending on the plan that you have. If you have any questions about your current policies, speak to your financial advisor to see if the coverage is enough for your situation. For more information on disability insurance, send me an email at ktoby at thefortisagency.com. productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Lisa Luckett, a life coach, speaker, and CEO of Cosmina Enlightened Living, a brand of kindness. Lisa is the author of the book, The Light in 9-11, Shocked by Kindness, Healed by Love. She's here today to discuss navigating fear. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Joan. Thanks so much for having me. So Lisa, we've been living through extraordinary times for just about a year now. And so now, a year later, looking back, what do you believe is one of the biggest impacts these changes have had on us? So a year ago, we were just moving into our first experience of COVID and we were shocked, right? We were caught completely off guard. All of a sudden, half the country was put into lockdown. We had to learn to wear masks. We had to remember them when we went to the grocery store. And um, now we have a choice now in how we're going to go forward because the fear factor very often is linked to uncertainty, unknowing, right? That's where we are. We're living right now amidst, we're kind of in the stew, if you will, of the experience. We don't know what the insights will be looking back. But we can say now with confidence, we know a lot more about the virus. We know a lot more about how to, how to protect ourselves. The question really is, what are we going to do with that? Because it's another block of time. And the fear, fear comes, you know, that it's, it's idle mind. It, the idle mind is the devil's workshop, I think was always said. We don't have enough going on right now. We're dealing with tedium. We're dealing with boredom. And we're dealing with the unknown. And the world clearly is, is in a little chaos. So fear is screaming. And the, the best thing we can do about fear is stay in the moment. 
There are some very real fears. There are, you know, there's financial insecurity and people are losing jobs and we're afraid of getting sick and losing loved ones. So those are very real fears that are being experienced by people today. And then there are the fears that we imagine. All the things that we're afraid of might happen. How can we learn to distinguish between the two so that we don't get so caught up and stuck in fearing everything that may happen? So if you remember that fear is really conjured, right? There is true fear about what's happening now, and and we're just in such an unsettled time. But fear is really conjured in the mind. It isn't real. And fear comes from thoughts. And thoughts are things we we don't actually have to attach to. So the question is, the prompt is really, is this thought real? Is this thought true right now? Am I sick right now? Is this person dying right now? Are these thoughts real or are we allowing them to take over? Because thoughts of the future are going to bring anxiety while thoughts of the past will bring regret. So really the only choice we have is to detach if we can from that thinking and evaluate it and really assess whether it's true or it's real. So in addition to detaching from the thinking, is there anything else we can do to mitigate fear? I think a lot of it's about letting go, you know, that we need to just understand that that we're holding on so tightly to control of things that are uncontrollable. And if you can shift your mind and shift your, your, take a breath and just say, wait a minute, I can't control what's happening in Washington. I can't control what's happening in the world. I can control what's happening right here in my world, in my moment and let go. We can give ourselves permission to let go and trust and allow, because the truth is we think all of these horrible possible things, but how many of them really do come true? That's something, you know, I always say that to people because we live with all the fears of what may be. And if you really stop and think about it, pretty much everything we fear never materializes. That's right. That's right. There's a great Mark Twain quote that that says, basically, I've had some thoughts. I've had some terrible thoughts in my life, some of which actually happened. (laughs) You know, they didn't, they were horrible, terrible, but most of them don't happen. And we get ourselves pretty twisted up. And part of the emotional intelligence about coaching and about taking a proactive step forward into getting some control back in your life is to do something like hire a coach. Let's look at things. What is that dream you have? What could you do? One step you could take today to make that dream happen. Could you watch a YouTube? Could you take an online class? Could you take, read a book? You know, who can you call today that's going to be a positive resource? You know, there's so many proactive ways. Most of the things about fear is what I call healthy distraction. So you, you distract yourself out of your fear because by knitting, which is tactile touch, which is going to calm your central nervous system, any kind of handcraft, patting a dog. If you'll notice that the pet therapies that have come out of COVID, it's about that tactile touch and that warmth of an animal. You know, those things are real and they do truly quell fear. Music is amazing. Anytime you tap into your senses, your taste, touch, sight, smell, or sound, you are going to distract into your non-logical brain or into your intuitive, creative brain. And that's where the quiet can be found because you can distract yourself through something that isn't your thinking, your logic, your reason, because we're just filling of what is right now an enormous void of information and time. And, you know, when life gets back into being busy, this won't be as much of a problem. But right now it really is rearing its ugly head because we do have this idleness. Lisa, thank you so much for spending this time with us. If you would like to learn more about Lisa or her book or her work, you can visit her website, lisaluckett.com. Or as always, to hear more from Lisa, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Lisa. Again, thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Joan. Do you allow fear to stop you dead in your tracks whenever you think about trying something new? Does that voice in your head conjure up a list of reasons to be inactive while you shouldn't try to accomplish a goal? Hi, this is Joan Herman here with a lesson learned while earning my PhD in life. It's time to face your fears and step out of your comfort zone. For most of my life, I was that person, too afraid to take a chance, self-sabotaging myself at every turn. I had a reason for every roadblock that I built. I allowed fear to govern my life. It took a major life upheaval and a lot of soul searching to get me to change my ways. And when I did, I realized that I hadn't really lived. I played it safe and simply survived. 
Over the course of the past decade, I have had the opportunity to interview people that have inspired and challenged me to step outside of the comfort zone I called life. I met warriors who have overcome tremendous challenges and displayed courage that most can only imagine. They changed my way of thinking. Some of these people were born without arms and legs or feet or hands. Others have lost their vision or the ability to walk. And others have survived horrific trauma and now live their life in service to others. Every one of these people had every right to live in fear as they faced unfathomable challenges, but they all chose to confront their limitations and achieve what many would consider to be impossible. They understood that fear is nothing more than a mindset, a perception, false evidence appearing real. They taught me that each time we face our fears, we gain strength, courage, and confidence in the doing. So the next time you're faced with an overwhelming challenge, an opportunity to try something new, or the chance to step out of your comfort zone, how do you push fear aside and take action? First, evaluate the driving force behind your fear. Is it a real consideration or something that you've created in your mind? Then make a list of your concerns and attack them one by one. Ask yourself, what is the worst thing that can happen? And by the way, it usually doesn't. Then develop a plan of action. What is your goal and how will you achieve it? Empower yourself with knowledge. And finally, muster up the courage to take a chance. The best plans are meaningless without action. As the explorer Christopher Columbus said, you can never cross the ocean until you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. Remember, it isn't the end result that matters. It's the journey. And you just may enjoy the ride. Thank you for spending this time with me. For more inspiring tips, visit joanherman.com. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>